Welcome to the Philia Podcasts. We are the daughters of those women who came before us. It is our absolute honour to have met so many incredible women fighting for the liberation of us all. Our role at Philia is to amplify the voices of those women via the Philia Conference and these podcasts. Please take from them what you can. In sisterhood and in solidarity, the Philia team. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. My name is Sadia Hamid, um, and I'm joined today by Sabah Ismail, who is going to be talking about um, Gulale Ismail. Um, I'm actually not going to give too much of an introduction because I think Sabah is best placed to tell you about everything that's happening. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Sabah. Uh, thank you so much, Sadia. So can you tell us what's been happening, please? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Sabah Ismail. I'm the co-founder of Young Women-led Organization uh, called Aware Girls. And uh, uh, which Aware Girls has been working on promoting leadership among young women and girls so that they can act as agents of change and equality and peace in their communities. Um, mm-hmm. I co-founded the organization along with my sister uh, when I was 15 and my sister Gulali was 16. We have been working for a number of years on on gender equality, women empowerment, and countering and preventing violent religious extremism. And we have been able to organize around 30 youth groups of peace activists who have saved the lives of more than 10,000 young people by preventing them from joining the militant organization and who have worked with thousands of young people to promote values of tolerance and nonviolence. I'm just giving you, you know, this little this brief background of about what uh, about my work and my sister's uh, work. And my sister Gulali Ismail is an award-winning human rights activist, but um, uh, this time she's she's forced into hiding from almost two and a half months because she has been charged of, um, of terrorism, treason, and sedition because she, uh, she highlighted uh, the incidents of sexual violence by the armed forces in, in the conflict zones of Pakistan. She brought the stories to the mainstream media and uh, because she was was critical of the war economy in in Pakistan and she was critical of the uh, of the sexual violence that is happening and that it was reported by by multiple women in the conflict zones of Pakistan uh, the state um, has charged her of terrorism and sedition and there are multiple uh, FIRs, which is, you know, first information reports against her, police cases against her. And the state, the military is, um, uh, is um, you know, wants to wants to arrest her anytime. And there are um, family, there are raids happening at our, at our residence in Islamabad. Uh, families and relatives' houses have been raided, friends. Uh, and family associates have been illegally abducted and have been tortured, even electrocuted to know about whereabouts of Kulali. The situation is uh, is really the crackdown that is happening on my family and my sister is only because she, she so, showed solidarity with this movement, which is called Pashtun, the Hafiz movement, also called as Pashtun Protection Movement. And, you know, the crackdown has been... Um, has been intensified a lot uh, and when after these two months when the state was unable to arrest uh, my sister they uh, they filed a case in terror you know they charged my parents like you know in a police case uh, in terrorism uh, so 
Where is Gulale now? So um, on 25th of June, uh, Pakistani, uh, Pakistan Permanent Mission in Geneva mm-hmm. communicated to the UN uh, Human Rights Commission offices uh, that Gulale is in their custody. She has been presented to a magistrate uh, and, uh, you know, she's she, she has been she's in the custody of the Pakistani authorities. Uh, but that is uh, something we, we don't have context with with Gulale, but um, we know that this is a lie and that she's in she's in hiding. OK, so have you had any contact with her? Is it even no. safe to make contact with you? No, it's uh, I, the family have lost contact with her from, you know, from quite a lot of time now. And um, the day these police cases were registered against her, she went into hiding. Um, and yeah, it's definitely one we don't have contact with her. And even uh, the way my family is being under surveillance and being, um, you know, their communi- communication being tapped all the time. Uh, it will be very, you know, it's extremely unsafe even to to contact them. Even, you know, it's it's even hard for me to contact them from from here. I'm based in New York, uh, but it's uh, it's not even safe to talk about anything uh, to my parents. My parents are back, you know, in, in Pakistan. Um, so everything they, they, there is there has been continuously. They have been under continuous surveillance. Even uh, my parents and my younger sister telephones were were taken away by these uh, law enforcement agencies. CTV system that is that was installed and in, at our home for the protection of our family that was also taken away um, by these agencies. So everything there is a you know it's very highly you know possible and you know that uh, their uh, their their telephones are already bugged and the security system is already bugged by these by these agencies so it's it's not you know it's a very uh, it's a very dangerous situation um in Pakistan for my family and overall as well it's very very dangerous uh, situation for overall civil society in Pakistan and Pakistan is a really dark place these days Okay, so Sabah, is there, is it possible to get your family out of Pakistan safely? Is that even a possibility? Uh, so to answer your question, Sadia, it's uh, one that uh, Gulali is already put on. Uh, she's being blacklisted, which uh, bans her travel from, um, you know, from the country. Uh, she has been put on exit control list, which is a no-fly list, and she was put on this exit control list um, in 2018, 2018, when she was traveling back from a meeting from London. And on Islamabad airport, she was her passport confiscated and she was detained for one day um, by the federal investigative agency. And, uh, you know, she was put on uh, on this on this list. And uh, she was then later on um, after these two cases, after these cases of, you know, terrorism and sedition were were made against her. She was. Again, put on, you know, after just she continued to be putting on this uh, exit control list and the Ministry of Interior sent a letter to our family uh, saying that uh, the reason that was given for, you know, to put her on exit control list was that um, that is, you know, the, the letter says that considering the recommendation of security agency was of the weave that there is a likelihood that Gulali would undertake travel abroad and her speeches, anti-state speeches, would be damaging for the country. And it's 
Basically, her name was put by the um, by the ISI, which is the security agency. And later yeah. on, as the cabinet also approved, you know, kind of giving because cabinet is also under the influence of the of the law enforcement of this security agency. So she remains on exit control list. And then there is a, a, another concern, definitely, is that uh, her pictures have already been shared uh, and pasted, um, you know, on across all the borders. Um, around Pakistan, you know, all the borders, like whether you, there are people who have reportedly told us that her, they have seen um, her pictures being posted on the borders between Pakistan and Afghanistan, and you know, even borders up the north in the country. So everywhere, because she's been, they they are treating her as a, as a terrorist, and you know, um, uh, there are security personnel deployed only to watch out for her. Um, across the borders. So, um, you know, instead the country should celebrate uh, human rights defenders like Gulali. She should be celebrated and, you know, be a role model for other young girls so that, you know, they can have the inspiration. But the state and these law enforcement agencies are targeting, um, they are targeting, they are, you know, her, and they're promoting a culture of fear. Also, you know, giving this message to other young women and girls that if you ever dare to become uh, brave by standing up for your rights, we will treat you like a terrorist. So, yeah. you know, this is this is uh, what is what is happening uh, that she do she do not have, you know, her freedom uh, of, of mobility. Uh, the the security agencies are under the, you know, are controlling everything. The democratic government do not have do not have the power to take any decision. Uh, so definitely it's a. Uh, it's not possible. It's, it doesn't seem, you know, be to be uh, something that that we can think about. Um, so it's crazy because in the UK we have countless people that um, criticise the Britain and the British government for some of the things that they're doing, and are simultaneously doing human rights work, and they're 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 celebrated as heroes, as Gulale should be. Um, what's concerning is that she's rather than being celebrated that she's being persecuted. Um, but it's a whole nother level. It's, it's something that we couldn't even contemplate in Britain. Um, so uh, for people that don't know, the FIA is like the Pakistani FBI. The uh, ISI is like the Pakistani CIA. They have both, uh, they've both gone after her because of her work. From what Sabai is saying, that they are... All of the agencies are working to ensure that she can't can't speak. And actually, she's not saying anything um, massively damaging to Pakistan. And for for a lot of countries, they would for a lot of countries in the Anglosphere, they would probably use some of the things that she's saying, criticizing Pakistan and take it as, you know, valid criticism and something that they need to work on rather than rather than treating her as she's a perpetrator or a terrorist for that matter that is absolutely disgusting but um Sabah what I wanted to ask you something you mentioned earlier the Pashtun protection movement can you tell me a little bit more about that what is it and is the state working with this movement okay so the Pashtun Tahafas movement which is you know the Pashtun protection movement it's a grassroots locally led um non-violent movement and they are uh, they have certain demands that you know they're asking for a truth and reconciliation commission to find out the human rights abuses in the military operations conducted in the tribal areas 
Um, their demand is to bring an end to enforced disappearances and also to present the missing persons, which is a big issue in Pakistan. So their demand is to pr present the missing persons to courts and to clear, you know, um, to clear the cases and to bring them in, in the court through a proper legal procedure. And Gulali is not like a decision-making um, part of, you know, she's not part of the decision-making processes of this movement. She showed her solidarity to this movement because she has been working on the issues of peace and countering and preventing violent extremism and women, peace and security for like a number of years. So she won, she showed solidarity to this movement, which is locally led and, you know, they have their genuine demands. But Gulali's, you know, main objective to show the solidarity with this movement was to ensure that feminist voices are included in this movement and that women's voices are not left behind because, you know, she saw that this is a movement and she wanted to make sure that women women also be, you know, be part of this movement and they're not left behind once again. Um, and what happened basically when she when she showed her support to this movement, that's when the crackdown even got worse. She was already facing a lot of like, you know, crackdown from the past one year. There was a campaign, um, uh, you know, a blasphemy campaign against her. She was accused of this this blasphemy and there was this social, uh, you know, media campaign against her, um, which uh, in which she was threatened to, you know, to be killed. And, you know, it was really uh this campaign was already, uh, you know, the social media campaign against her and, you know, accusing her of this, this blasphemy and all that was already happening. But what actually happened was the reason why the crackdown got even worse and worse, when Gulali visited to Khesor, which is a part in North Waziristan, in Waziristan when she actually met with women who uh, who shared the stories of, you know, being uh, of sexual assaults and, and abuse from the military. And when she started speaking up about, you know, those stories and when she started bringing those stories to the mainstream um, in, in January 2019, earlier this year, there's a young boy who raised the issue of military personnel bogging into his home and harassing his mother. This this video was made by this young uh, young boy who was probably between in you know eleven to thirteen years old, like you know very young. And he this uh, Gulali when when she saw that video, she organized um, a delegation of other five women, and uh, you know they all together went to Khesor Waziristan to show solidarity with this woman who spoke out against the harassment. And this delegation had women like political workers, activists, uh, ex-parliament, former parliamentarians. So they, they went as a, you know, to show uh, solidarity. And when they went, this delegation met several other women with similar stories. Uh, some of them recorded their stories to, you know, ensure that they are brought, that they are being told, to, uh, you know, to, to, to the rest of the world. And uh, there was this one story that I specifically remember, you know, and of course it was, you know, it was not easy to read those stories or to, to have, you know, uh, but when uh, Gulali told and she shared, uh, you know, later on, she shared on her social media as well that this one old woman whose name is Noura Bibi, she has a picture of like a torn piece of paper in her hand and there are 25 lines drawn on this paper and this, this picture is about this, you know, the story is about this woman, Noura Bibi, uh, who drew a, a line on this piece of paper every time she was, you know, she was abused and harassed. Wow. And this was her form of documentation. And I see this 
like this woman is an illiterate woman from a you know the way the literacy rate is so low or even zero percent in 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 these areas for women you know the literacy per, per, uh, percentage is so low and still this woman became like you know so brave to document her story and then you know to tell this to other people um well at the end she had to leave her area because you know it got too much it was you know the the her dignity uh, you know was violated her privacy you know was violated so she had to leave the area and but she's told her story and i think you know this is the me too movement in pakistan that you know the world see it as uh with this me too movement we see like you know people uh in more like in in the elite class as well coming up and forward and sharing you know uh, their uh, their stories uh but this i think this is definitely you know uh, uh the you know the me too movement where women who are from those waziristan areas are for the you know speaking up and they're for the first time speaking up against this so when uh, gulali and the delegation started you know talking about these incidents and telling them you know we have seen that the crackdown intensified in a way that only a few days after this visit gulali was enforcedly disappeared she was disappeared by the state for about 40 hours um and uh, she was actually after a few days in you know on 5th of february she was um, participating in a protest um, that was held against the brutal murder of arman luni who is also uh, who was a member of the pashtun tahafuz movement and um, gulali was arrested from there and there were other 64 young men activists of the movement also arrested the the arrest of those 64 young men was made public their names being shared their locations you know in which police stations they were everything except gulali nothing was shared about her that way she did the you know the state um denied uh, about you know that where she escaped everything and then it took us 40 hours uh you know that then she was later on released with the you know with a lot of uh, international pressure and with a lot of public pressure she was trending on twitter and um, it was like the family was given all this um false information about her whereabouts we were told that she's being tortured we were being told that you know um and you know a lot of different um a lot of different very disturbing things but you know she was the correct you know only after a few days after she visited the waziristan she was enforcedly disappeared and when she she was released she uh she still you know participated um in everything she, you know even her disappearances is, is definitely it's, it's a very big issue in pakistan being missing or like anywhere uh it's not easy but she, st- she still continued and then we saw that in april 2019 the dgispr which is the spokesperson of the, of the armed forces in pakistan he held a press a conference and he threatened that time for the pashtun tahafuz movement activist is is up time is up for them the dgispr which is the uh, major general asif ghafoor spokespersons of the pakistan armed forces you know this video this press conference and they said time is up for for this movement your time is up you don't have any more time and then suddenly after you know in this uh after this press conference we saw that videos on youtube were already like streaming on on youtube and mentioning that legal action will be taken against gulali that legal action will be also taken against mohsen dawar and ali wazir who are two other parliamentarians and they are in prison from this uh, more than 2 months uh, also on the ta- charges of terrorism you know and murder and uh, all that you know uh, kind of like crazy crazy stuff 
And, um, you know, the the Lars, they wanted to meet them the other day. They were not allowed. Uh, other, you know, parliamentarians want to meet with them or politician. They're not allowed to, you know, meet. They don't have yet even a single time, you know, uh, like uh, there have been no court hearing. Every time they, they are they're given a court date and then the judge is on leave on that date. Judge even do not come to the court on, on you know, when, when they have to, when they go to the court, when they appear in the court. And they have been moved from like, you know, one, one, one jail to another jail. Uh, and their only, uh, you know, uh, the only thing that they did was that they highlighted human rights abuses in the tribal areas of Pakistan. And they were the elected parliamentarians. But, you know, they're still in jail and people, it's it's so hard even for, for people, you know, to, you know, there should be a legal process to arrest parliamentarians. There is a legal process to arrest parliamentarians in the process, you know, in, in Pakistan, in the parliament. Nothing was followed in, in, in the case of Ali Wazir and Mohsen Dawar. Uh, they have been sharing the same concern as Gulali shared, and we have seen that, you know, the the as soon as this press conference was done by the DGISPR, the spokesperson of the Pakistan Armed Forces, the first crackdown happened against my sister, and then only two days after that, you know, these two parliamentarians were falsely accused in terrorism. You know, there was this this, this false case against them that they have attacked a military check post in North Waziristan. Uh, but there were multiple videos that emerged after that, and people shared that you know these people were uh, were nonviolent. They were no, they had no weapons at all, um, and the and the military just openly fired fired on them, and multiple people killed. More than twelve people killed were killed by the by the law enforcement agencies um and these people were shielding these two parliamentarians yeah they killed many people get wounded but we have seen you know there should be internationally uh, like so much you know the international media should should talk about it there should be people that how come uh, you know there are evidences you know there is evidence in the form of videos multiple videos that these people were nonviolent they were attacked openly by the military just because they were holding a protest and this protest was also because you know a woman was abused uh, and you know they. Um, what happens is that you know when there is a is a uh, there is a incident like a terror a terror incident. Uh, what the military does is that in some they will take um, they will you know take out all the people in the village and they will beat them in the public. And in one of those uh, wh- what happened in one of those incidents, a woman either arm or leg was broken during this public beating. And this these two parliamentarians were having this protest against against that incident but you know the people were are being killed there should be independent inquiries there should be you know international um, human rights organizations coming up having you know asking for inquiries but we don't see there should be more like this is very this is very brutal this is ripping up ripping up you know the, the right to freedom of expression the right to freedom of, of assembly and the right to freedom of protest the right to challenge um malpractice within the country is really really crucial as well you know they can't claim to be all-knowing and godlike um politicians that's just not humanly possible and it's part of uh uh, you know it's part of being a democracy to allow your citizens that are voting for you to challenge you and question your ill behavior but the trouble is in pakistan if you're poor, if you're illiterate, you're also vulnerable 
you become an easy target, but also you become the plaything of many um, people too. The army knows that women are illiterate. They know that they're not going to be able to go and write a statement. They, um, there was a case a few years ago of a, a, a woman in a tribal area, Muhtarmai, um, who was raped by, gang raped by a group of men. And when she went to the police station, the police officer, knowing full well that she was illiterate, just told her to put a thumbprint print at the bottom of the page so he could write the statement. And he was very much in the pocket of the perpetrators. Um, so he wrote a false statement. So illiteracy is really, really beneficial, particularly female illiteracy is is doubly beneficial for perpetrators, abusers, predatory men within our communities because then they can't be challenged for some of the things that they are doing to women and also how they're disappearing men they think that they can't be challenged the interesting thing is that Pakistan when these things are brought to light rather than challenging the perpetrators they go after the amazing absolutely fucking amazing people that challenge these abuses um, that are in the firing line anyway from potential abusers, they are then prosecuted by the state um, and treated like terrorists by the state for highlighting the state's incapacity to do the best for the most vulnerable within that society. It's disgusting. But what I do have is a very, very serious and urgent plea for any anybody that's listening that is a journalist or knows journalists to um, connect with Sabah so that we can try and make this a bit of a media storm for Pakistan and really highlight what has been happening in Pakistan. And I really am desperately urging women to, to, to try and help us connect with journalists. When a few years ago the Delhi rape case happened, in Delhi, for some reason, that case created a media storm. I mean, gang rapes and hideous, violent sexual uh, assaults and rapes have been happening in India since the beginning of time. But for some reason, that caught the media attention and it forced change in India. We would like that same level of media attention for Gulale's case when she's done nothing wrong other than challenging the most hideous abuses within our country. We would like that same media attention so we can have that same, uh, we can force Pakistan's hand in doing something. We need to embarrass Pakistan right now. This is not acceptable on any level. The fact that illiterate women are being raped because they know full well they can't document their abuses, the fact that illiterate men are just going missing and nobody can challenge it. And those that are then being, those that are then highlighting and challenging these issues are being arrested and disappeared or, or being accused of terrorism. That can't carry on. Absolutely not. Um, yes, Sadia, I, I completely agree with you. The way my family has been, um, have been harassed by these multiple raids that started from 24th of May, another raid on 27th May, another raid on 4th June, another raid on uh, 4th of July, you know, and, and another, you know, another 
a raid on families, uh, relatives, and friends. Um, our our family driver was abducted. He was tortured for eight hours. Toxins were injected in his body, and he was uh, offered bribe to be their informant. He was tortured for eight hours. After that, our um, a very close friend of Gulali was abducted. Um, he was tortured for 13 hours. He was electrocuted, uh, given electrical shocks more than 12 times while he was handcuffed. Um, it is really brutal. And, you know, even the staff that worked with Gulali, uh, their house raided just a couple days ago on 6th of August in the middle of the night at 2.40 a.m. There were people who just, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, just uh, even they didn't like rang the bell. They just uh, jumped over the walls of their house and they offered bribe. They offered them a good job, a well-paid job. They offered foreign settlement to, you know, and these kind of things and to be their informants so that, you know, they find out. Bilali. It is basically the strategies. It doesn't, you know, from from not a single point of view, I see that this is a democracy in Pakistan. Um, this this is a very huge, huge control by the military. Uh, I have been engaging this, you know, the civilian government in international advocacy. The UN has been written, have written several letters. The European Union have sent several letters and, you know, meetings. Um, you know, there is a lot happening at international level. Uh, you know, there was an article in the New York Times the, when Imran Khan, the prime minister of the country, was visiting Washington, D.C., uh, the president of USIP asked direct question about the persecution of Kulali. My family, the question was not answered. He avoided answering the question. There is a lot happening at the international level. Of course, we are activists and we will do the right thing. And, you know, the right thing is to engage the civilian government and ask them to stop this persecution but the the, the crackdown get, get is getting intense intense because you know there is this is a this is really important to understand that at this point there this there is you know shrinking spaces for civil society at large in pakistan and the way the democratic voices and voices of dissent are being shutting down in pakistan it's very difficult for a civil society organization to work also, the laws that were developed for countering terrorism and preventing people for cyber crimes are also being increasingly used um, against human rights defenders and journalists. So, you know, Pakistan is a country where there are, despite there are dozens of private channels, media is not free. And when media is not free, we mean that citizens are not free. They have been robbed of their right to freedom of expression. So, you know, like three media channels were taken off air because they broadcasted a press conference of an opposition leader. On the other time, you know, on the other hand, some amazing progressive journalists have been removed from their jobs because they were seen as too critical to the state. And we have seen, you know, very systematic, life-threatening social media campaigns are uh, run against the voices of dissent. And definitely it is one of the biggest crime against humanity that you deprive them of their right to freedom of expression. Yeah. Similarly, uh, you know, as I mentioned, these laws are used against, uh, you know, the human rights defenders in, in Pakistan. And in Pakistan, there are multiple examples, you know, bloggers being abducted for, you know, being too critical for the state. Professors charged in case of sedition because they are critical of the state. So it's just like everybody who has a voice of dissent, who thinks differently, who wants to question the pro-war economy and the, you know, and these pro-war policies. They are, you know, they are just, you know, uh, 
being shut down in you know being silenced in one way or the other um and as i mentioned also the cases of these two parliamentarians it's just like you know it's it's just outrageous to to see that the military is openly doing you know all these things uh whether it's a human rights activist whether it's a journalist whether it's a blogger whoever has a different opinion whoever with you know with who, who whomever opinion they do not agree uh, they only know that they will either abduct people or torture people or like you know disappear them that's the way instead of uh, instead of improving the policies but also it's very important to you know mention that the military at this point it has you know is running its shots everywhere in pakistan whether it's the economic policies or whether it's the educational policies so it's actually worse than that isn't it it's um the the pakistani army has like fingers in all pies as far as i'm aware they're even making feature films like lollywood films um they're making tv dramas they the pakistani army is in control of everything in pakistan absolutely everything democracy is just something that they talk about but in practice it doesn't exist in pakistan pakistan is ruled and governed by the army they are in complete control of everything um but one thing i do want to ask you um sabai is have things worsened under imran khan and is imran khan aware of everything and what has he said he will or won't do or has he just ignored it entirely i remember you just said um you did put the question to him or somebody did put the question to him and he and he ignored it have you asked him in any other direct way or has that opportunity not been there um yeah sadia things are changing for worse in pakistan and you know in this current um, government and uh, this current government one is very repressive towards women and it's very uh, it's you know it's it's not a true democracy it's not authentic democracy uh, uh all the opposition leaders are being arrested um and uh, you know people uh, are just it's just hard for anyone to speak their minds like you these in this government anyone irrespective of you know whatever profession they come from if they are speaking their minds they are put behind the bars and it has pakistan has never been this dark and this repressive uh you know even even in the dictator's time i have seen it's not that dark although i'm not you know a person that will ever promote dictatorship i'm always for democracy but this democratic government uh, in this democratic government the civic spaces are shrinking human rights mm-hmm. voices are seen as the voice of of treason the witch hunting of the political opponents is a speak in this in this government in the name of anti corruption mm-hmm. and you know selected members of the parliament are sent into prison just for highlighting human rights abuses and the state is at this point extremely extremely afraid of brave women like gulali and this country is definitely going down the steep with a very high speed the people who are paying the cost are its citizens you know they're not the powerful so the common people and the citizens are suffering in this government and it's really it's you know the the current government has pushed back pakistan hundreds of years you know back it's going to take us a very long time a very long time to come back to you know where we were um this is a very pro militant uh, government as well in khyber pakhtunkhwa province uh, imran khan when it you know uh, gave millions of funds from the education from the education fund towards the darul uloom hakania which is called the university of jihad so this uh, you know this narrative this this you know this this political party this government is really 
uh, depressive towards human rights in general. And uh, we have been, you know, engaging through through our friends, through our networks. There have been a lot of international advocacy being done. The president of United States Institute of Peace asked the question directly from the from the prime minister. And Gulali has worked with the United States Institute of Peace. And we have, you know, the organization has worked with USIP for a number of years. I have spoken on this stage and representing the young people. And I have represented the work of Aware Girls and our work on, you know, in USIP many, many times. In fact, when the United Nations Security Council Resolution 2250 on youth peace and security was being launched um, in Washington, D.C., I was representing, you know, all the young people from the world and, you know, telling how important it is for for the organization and the community in D.C. to take, you know, to own this resolution and, you know, work on it. Uh, so. USIP has, you know, has played uh, definitely, uh, you know, I think a very positive role in terms of uh, putting forward the case of, of Gulali directly to the Prime Minister Imran Khan. And his response, well, uh, USIP president actually referred to the New York Times article and the response of Imran Khan was that it's a one sided story. And he said, oh, now I sound like Trump. Because uh, he, you know, I, I'm glad that he realized this thing because both of these men are very conservative and very repressive towards women, and they both are afraid of brave women. Uh, you know, this is something that is common, and this is something he, he did. I think it's a very uh, he, you know, this is a sh- this is definitely embarrassing Pakistan on international stage. He has made Pakistan, you know, he is you know made fool of himself as well. Uh, of uh, saying to international community that this is a one-sided story or thing, although the article clearly mentioned that you know they have um, uh, they have asked from the authorities, they have to, and they refuse to give any any comment. But overall, I think that with the help of like international friends and networks, there are like you know a lot of. Uh, networks and friends that are supporting uh, Gulali and you know they are they're doing a lot international advocacy there are you know so many names that it will be hard for me to to mention but there are like a number of people and organization actively working doing international advocacy and engaging this the government engaging the office of the prime minister engaging the office of the foreign minister of the human rights um, ministry uh, the human rights commission in Pakistan you know have uh, has been engaging them. There are, you know, people uh, take people have taken up the case um, in the parliamentary human rights committee in Pakistan. So it's it's from everywhere. But the challenge is that that the state, you know, the military do uh, is is you know is in control of everything. Their objective is to arrest her and put her in prison either for lifetime or you know or to torture her to put her in in in, in intermittent you know in a cell in a torture cell for for life and when they are unable to do that you know they are harassing our parents by having a false case of terrorism against them like my father is a human rights activist and you know he's he's been um he was even accused of blasphemy um a year before 9-11 because he was also very critical of the of the pro-war policies and he was very critical of the militant groups and you know the state involvement in terrorism before 9-11 and he was accused of blasphemy just because he was, you know, he, he was a person who was not supporting the militant groups. Yeah. So he's resisting. He's, re, you know, he's resisting. He has been into prison. Um, you know, he has been sent to jail. And I grew up seeing my father going to jail on these cases and, you know, and, and, in, and in other cases, you know. But, yeah, um, the thing is that we, you know, we... Um, 
but our mother who is a housewife uh, she has nothing to do with, you know, the, with how my father or my sister is, you know, being politically involved, what, she, what speeches she, they are doing. She is supporting them as, you know, as a mother. Uh, mm-hmm. She's supporting my, my sister and she's always there for my sister. You know, when my sister was uh, enforcedly disappeared for, you know, for these 40 hours, it was my mother and younger sister who took the lead. And, you know, they were going from one police station to another and one from, from one government office to another to find out uh, my sister. But she has, you know, she has been dragged into this matter only because she's a mother of Kulali. Only being, you know, a parent of a human rights activist is a crime now in Pakistan. It's disgusting. I mean, you're very lucky to have had a dad who was a human rights activist and I although I realize it must have been really really hard watching him go in and out of prison um for his work also it's created this really strong foundation that led to you guys and a supportive mother to you both of you um sisters being just these amazing amazing inspirational women I mean doing the work that you do in Pakistan your counterparts in the Anglosphere, in like English-speaking countries or European countries, they do not know even an ounce of what what it is to do the work that you do and the backlash that you endure for doing the exact same work in one of our countries here in the UK or, you know, in the Anglosphere or any European country. They wouldn't even have an ounce of an understanding of how, hard it is for you guys for just you know they would never be thrown into prison for doing the work that you do here um but something that you mentioned i um i watched the meeting between trump and imran khan and it was like watching two narcissists wanking over each other in the mirror it was fucking disgusting and actually i would like to say that i think imran khan is probably worse than trump in the sense that he has this, I mean, people think Imran Khan, the sexy cricket player who's so beautiful, he's going to be so lovely. He's always been so progressive and so wonderful. If you just look at the pictures of his wife and how he himself has changed over the years, there's, there was there was like an iconic picture that came out of uh, his three marriages and how gradually his wives just disappeared in the picture and how angry he looked within each photo um you can see that he's and he's grown into a thoroughly unpleasant man and he is going to be a thoroughly unpleasant politician but the the i say he's worse than trump because actually as disgusting as trump is you know who he is imran khan presents himself as some kind of liberal who wants to do good for pakistan and he is a monster everything that you're saying things have gotten worse clearly under Imran Khan I was aware that quite a lot of uh, not-for-profit human rights agencies women's uh, services and children's services have been asked to leave Pakistan um, in the last few months um, as well since Imran Khan was elected he's no progressive he just has this veneer of being a progressive man um, but actually he's he's much much worse than Trump because he puts on this bit of this persona of being quite a progressive and he's hiding some sinister sinister actions and motives behind that he doesn't want people to know that he's 
how dangerous he really is. Uh, yes, Sadia, I completely, um, you know, agree that it's um, that this uh, government is really, you know, it's it's really getting worse for for Pakistan, especially for for women's rights and for women's rights movement. Uh, generally, in Pakistan, you know, in this administration in Pakistan, the number of women in local councils and you know in the decision making bodies have starkly been decreased. Uh, a number of meetings are happening and, you know, they are talking about they're having these 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 decisions. And when you see the pictures and majority of these government meetings, there is literally no woman on the table in these meetings. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, how come this is 20? This is 2019. Like, yeah. you know, how come there can be zero women representation in so many in majority of these meetings and, you know, in majority of these decision making processes in Pakistan? Definitely. This is definitely threatening. And, you know, this is definitely not good for the development. As I mentioned, it is not good for generally for for women's rights and human rights in Pakistan, because these men, you know, these men are taking these decisions which are in nature that are definitely, you know, more patriarchal uh, decisions, you know, within the parliament. And they these men are are want to sustain their status quo. So, you know, women, it's it's, uh, definitely uh, you know, this is one thing that they want uh, to have this more like control uh, over women in generally, you know, within within the within politics as well. Uh, but also, what has happened uh, with this government is that um, the that the educational policy has also been really greatly if, um, affected in a negative way in this government. Uh, the poli- in our educational uh, system. Uh, this government has re reintroduced this violent jihadi contacts, you know, within the educational curriculum. Uh, I myself grew up studying, you know, all about, uh, you know, this this jihad and this violent jihad um, in our in, in you know in the Islamic studies book. Uh, but what happened was the, 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 the previous government worked really hard, you know, and the previous governments really worked hard to remove this this context that promote this violent jihad and that, that they promote violence and, you know, killing of the people. And as soon as this government, you know, came in into power, they reintroduced all that, all that text back into, um, into the educational system. And this is overall, this is overall worrisome to, to see that uh, this government is, is doing this crackdown in Pakistan or, you know, putting, pu- pushing it back, through very systematically through their policies, whether it's the uh, policies of, you know, the decision making bodies, making them even more worse, making the educational policies worse, making the economy has gone, you know, so bad. Economy in Pakistan is really worse these days, like, put, like you know, at the policy level as well, it's going really back. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really getting worse. And also the crackdown, whether it's on media, whether it's on judiciary, whether it's on parliamentarians, whether it's on progressive people, you know, everybody is affected. Even, you know, the judiciary, even there are cases against uh, against this one uh, judge who, you know, who had a very, um, uh, who actually uh, had a case in, you know, there was a few, some, some time ago, there was this, this a religious cleric, you know, uh, was uh, occupied, almost occupied, you know, the capital, and you know, um, they, the the Pakistani military then gave those people money as their travel reimbursement, although they were, uh, you know, although they were violent, although they were 
these people were inspired from Mamtaz Kadri, who is the killer of the, you know, of the former governor of Punjab. And still the military gave them, you know, money, handed over money to them as, as incentives. And what happened that this judge, you know, was having this case and, you know, he was not in, he was not in favor of this cleric. He was not in favor of what was happening and they have also there are there are now cases against him as well so whether it's in pakistan you know whether it's media whether it's the judiciary whether you know is the parliamentarian whether it's human rights activists whether it's say you know uh, professors no one um, no one is being spared by by this government right uh, do you have anything else to add is there anything else that you want people to know uh, well, yeah, I think I am good. You know, um, I just want to, you know, one thing that uh, my family have paid paid a huge price for for the activism, and we will still continue. I just want to, you know, just mention that we will still continue uh, fighting and resisting, and we will still uh, work. We will still continue our work for human rights. We will still. I'll make sure that even if uh, uh, there is crackdown against my family, they cannot, uh, you know, speak at this moment because either they are being forced into hiding or because uh, my father, you know, he he's, he may not, uh, um, you know, do his work more openly. But um, I will, you know, um, with the support of my family, we will continue working. Um, working for human rights, we it won't stop us from you know from doing our work, from being still raising our voices. Um, not like you know we don't have the opportunity to live together as a family. Uh, I had to re- we had to relocate our younger sister who is a who is a lookalike of our sister Gulali, and she was threatened uh, to be abducted and to be tortured. So um, even we are paying all you know we are paying a huge price. Still, it won't deter us from what we have been doing and it won't deter us from continuing to, uh, you know, to to raise the voices for for human rights and for women's rights, especially for those women who cannot speak up for themselves. And for that, I, I mean, that's so brave for you guys to carry on doing that. I can't, we can't thank you enough, really, for those women and girls that don't have anybody else. They're... I'm sure they're going to be so, so grateful. But I mean, the rest of us can't thank you enough either. Is there anything that you would like to ask our listeners for? Anything that you would, any requests, any pleas, anything that they can do to get involved, anything that they can do to, to help? What, what, is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners? Um, yeah, uh, you know, I would say please continue, you know, please raise voice for uh, for this case, please, um, whatever context you have, whether it's a media or whether it's it can be through um, through letters, uh, it can be through statements, it can be through, you know, uh, posting about um, about this case on, on Twitter, on social media, uh, just do whatever you can do in your power, um, you know, whether it's support, whether uh, support through through messages or whether it's support um, by posting about it on social media or whether contacting the offices and the consulates in your in your countries or the foreign offices in your country like whatever you you can do um uh, please you know uh, please do that and if anybody needs any information 
uh, I believe they can contact you. You can, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, provide facts. I'm more than happy to provide, you know, any other material that they need. Uh, just to add to that, as I said before, I just want to reiterate, if there are any journalists listening or you have any friends that are journalists, please, please, please try and connect them with Sabah so that we can try and raise the profile of these uh, of, of this issue, um, of Gulale, of her family, and the fact that any human rights abuse currently is not, um, uh, is it's not possible to, for, to challenge it in Pakistan without yourself being prosecuted, arrested, tortured even, and being treated like a terrorist. Um, so we really, really, really need that. Um, so if there are any journalists listening, please, please, please get in touch. I'm really easy to contact um, if, you, uh, if you're if you unable to find Sabah's contact details. Sabah, is there a way that people can contact you? Is there, uh, like, do you have a Twitter handle? Are, are people able to message you on Twitter? Or is there any other way of being able to quickly contact you if somebody is wanting to help? Okay, yeah, I can definitely share my Twitter handle. It's my name, at Sabah Ismail. And it spells as S-A-B-A-I-S-M-A-I-L. Um, yeah. So I can be contacted on my uh, Twitter or I think I can just share my email. That is um, also S-A-B-A-M-A-R-G-H-U-Z at live.com. Um, so I can be contacted by, um, you know, by Twitter, just uh um, send me a message or send me an email and uh, yeah I will you know be in touch thank you so much Sabah I, I mean I just can't thank you enough for everything that you guys have done and are doing and thank you so much for coming on and sharing I can't call it a story it feels like I'm minimizing it really but thank you so much for talking to us um and, and sharing everything that's been happening. And I really hope something good comes out of this, that we can help in some way, shape or form. But Sabah, I think we'll probably ex exchange a few more emails as well so that we can figure out how we can we can help. If we do organise a protest, I will be sharing it with uh, Felia and Sabah and everything. We'll try and make sure that as many women know about it as possible so that you can all be there. And just, just thank you. I mean... That it feels like a very small thing to be able to say, but then it feels kind of very little. Uh, but you guys do so much, and thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Sadia. Um, you know, it's uh, it's I am really like you know humbled to see um, so much support for for Gulali by the support that is you know that, that I have received. Uh, although it's it's very hard time because uh, it's extremely hard to to be in this position that I am, uh, yeah. when, you know, when you don't, uh, when I can't go there because you know anyone now going back to the country is like you know it's really, uh, it's really dangerous. Uh, but when your parents are there and when your siblings are there and Gulali is my role model, it is you know I have always followed her in my life and um, uh, yeah. because we have just one year difference and we went to school together. 
and yeah. spent our, you know, quite many years, like very close, very together. Even my siblings would tell me when I, when we were kids, my siblings would tell me, hey, you are her secretary. How much she's paying you? You know, how much she's paying you? And I was like, you know, I was like, whatever you, like, you know, the, the fights that siblings do. And I would always take her side. Um, it's really, it's really hard to be in this place that I am. But um, on the other hand, you know, the support that I see, then I, you know, it gives me, it gives me some hope that, you know, she will not be harmed, that something will, you know, um, something really worse, you know, will not happen to her. Uh, we will be, we will be able to get out of it. But um, yeah, so I am really uh, thankful for your support and I'm, I'm really thankful for your time. Just thank you. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just the work that you do is phenomenal. And I realize the risk 